got a real good feeling. You're listening to the Coffee and Crypto Podcast with Crypto Jeb, bringing you the best and most updated news about cryptocurrency. Tune in every morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to watch this podcast live on our YouTube channel. Hey guys, what's going on? Jeb here and welcome back to Coffee and Crypto. Guys, today we are going to be talking about the price action of Bitcoin. As you know, it has been trading sideways between about $35,000 and $45,000 over the last two and a half months. Ever since January, we have seen this continuing to move sideways. And in this video, we are going to be talking about the short-term price action. We're going to be talking about a breakout of an inverse head and shoulders pattern that almost drove Bitcoin to the upside. And we're also going to be talking about a man named Michael Saylor, whom you are going to see some content about relatively soon. He's a billionaire. He's the founder of MicroStrategy. He founded it in 1989. It's a publicly traded company that does $500 million a year in revenue, 2,000 employees. And I am going to be interviewing him pretty soon. So make sure you watch out for that. And I've just been doing a bunch of research on him. We're going to talk a little bit about his opinion on inflation. We're going to talk a little bit about his opinion of why Bitcoin is the one and only answer to all of the problems that we have with our traditional banking system. And we're going to be talking about how Bitcoin might be the solution that you should look into right now. Bitcoin is pretty boring. As you guys know, it's been trading sideways, especially bad over the last week and a half in a complete sideways movement. It looks like a little um, inseparable. I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but the little heartbeat monitor, th- it looks like that. EKG. It's just com- EKG. Thank you. I was trying to say the actual name. It looks like an EKG. Completely trading Ectocardiogram. sideways. Ectocardiogram. Thank you very much. Completely trading sideways, not doing anything. What do we do when Bitcoin is boring? That's the question on the table today. And I'm going to be telling you exactly why I could not care less that Bitcoin is boring. And in fact, it is one of the best times for you to be in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. So for all the diehard fans of Bitcoin and crypto that are here today, you're in the right place. I am joined as always by TA Tim. How you doing, Tim? What's up, everybody? You know, it's a light day. Not a lot happening in crypto. Fear is mostly family here, you know, mostly crypto Jeb subs, family. If you're new, welcome. Welcome. But a quick moment. Welcome to uh, the two people that are new. I'm going to do a, a quick cookie review. Oh, uh, okay. Lenny and Larry's is the complete cookie. Complete cookie. Uh, if you are a fan of flavored sawdust, I highly recommend <laughs> it. So... Yeah. Oof. That was like an anti-sponsor. You just knocked on yeah, that Yeah, we're company. not getting them for a sponsor. Oof. Well, I'm eating uh, Simply Nature vanilla chip chewy granola bars, and... Uh, Tastes like a granola bar. Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty boring. But anyway, we're joined as always by Smay. How are you doing, Smay? Hi. Who knows his medical medical lingo, EKG? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, guys. I love you. That's why I was looking at you longingly <laughs> there for a second. Looking deep into their eyes. I love you guys. And I'd like to say something. You guys are the best. Well, I'd like to say one other thing. Some green names. You ready? I'd like to say some green names here. I'd like to say here we got we got Crypto Alchemist. We got Crypto Alchemist. We got Brad Guido. We got Crypto Alchemist. We got Crypto Alchemist. We got Brad Guido. We got Crypto Alchemist. We got Brad Guido. We got Brad. Guido. I'm like going through the chat and reading them. You guys are the only one two ones talking. Good grief. All right, who who else we got here? We, we got Ricardo Vinegas. We got Siobhan Golay. We got Ricardo Vinegas. We got Why You Loud. We got Agent Gold. We got Crypto or Edward Hess. We got Crypto Set Guy. Who else we got? We got Crypto Alchemist. Oh, <laughs> we got Thomas Bose. We got Adam Roy. We got Siobhan Golay. We got Thomas Post. We got Siobhan Golay. We got Ricardo Vinegas. We got Matt C. We got Eye of the Beholder. We got Cameron. <sighs> Guys, if you want me to say your name over and over and over again, just oh chat gosh. over and over and over Did again. Did you say Matt C? I love you. Yes, I said Matt okay, C. Okay, well, hello Matt to Matt C. Smaynard. Yeah, Eye of the Beholder said Smaynard. That's actually what we call him. Smaynard? No. There you go. I'm not well, Smaynard. I want to give a very special shout out, actually, to someone who has been watching the channel for a very long time. Someone who will soon be moving down to Gainesville to join us in person. And his name is Ted. And he goes by TZ in chat. And he is actually now on staff with McAfee Media, working here as a community manager and helping to put the community together. He's going to be helping in a bunch of different ways with social media and with the community. So shout out to TZ. He's a mod in chat right now. He is actually on staff as a W2 employee with us. So shout out to Ted. Welcome to the team, my friend. Just wanted to go ahead and give you a big warm welcome to the McAfee community and to the Crypto Jeb community right here in front of everybody. So everybody, drop a heart in chat for TZ. He's doing an absolute great job. Look at everybody in chat going crazy. Hit the likes, guys. Lee Jacobson said, I absolutely agree. We got a lot of likes considering we got about 500 people watching, 121 likes, not doing bad. It's pretty great. But let's go ahead and jump onto CoinMarketCap. We're going to talk about Bitcoin, as you know. 
And if we have time, we might get into a couple of altcoins, but to be honest with you, they're all more or less following this market. Now, I wanna just go ahead and warn you. The second segment of today's show is going to be really, really good. So you're gonna wanna stay tuned because we're going to talk about some of the foundational reasons why Bitcoin was created in the first place. And you're going to get a sneak peek of some of the things that myself and Mr. Saylor, Michael Saylor of MicroStrategy, are going to be talking about in an interview that will be recorded on Thursday. So make sure you watch out for that. It should be coming out in the next week or two. But we're gonna talk about a couple of things that I will end up talking to him about. Now, he's obviously going to be talking about it a lot more, but I wanna kind of break the ice and get you guys fired up because it's gonna be a great interview. Really, really looking forward to it. We're getting some big names on the channel now, and I'm looking forward to doing it even more, even more interviews, bigger interviews, hopefully some in-person ones as well. But Bitcoin right now is trading at $38,800, up exactly nothing over the last seven days. As I told you, I wasn't joking. Bitcoin literally looks like an EKG right now. It is literally trading sideways, doing next to nothing. We're going to talk about in the technical analysis segment why this is actually not necessarily a bad thing. It might be boring, but that's not to say that it is a bearish thing. I'm not for a second saying that Bitcoin is super bearish right now, although I do think there's a pretty good opportunity it's going to break to the downside. We're going to get into all of that in a second, but the point is Bitcoin is literally trading completely sideways right now, sitting right here between 38 and a half and about $40,000. There's a lot of opportunity here, guys. Number one, if you're a trader, there is a little bit of opportunity on these swings up and down. These are harder to trade, though. There's some opportunity for traders, but I'm going to be honest with you, it is definitely harder. What we're also going to talk about is the fact that right now, in my opinion, is a phenomenal time to be investing in Bitcoin, but we're going to get to all of that. Right now, Binance Coin down uh, two-thirds of a percent, Ethereum down one percent, XRP down one percent, Luna down one percent, Cardano sitting down here negative one percent at 80 cents, Solana sitting down a quarter of a percent, Avalanche down 1.45 percent. If we look at the last 24 hours, we can see ThorChain up 12%. Definitely an interesting one. Has a, just a straight up and to the right chart over the last seven days. Up 82% in the last seven days. Whenever you see something like that happen, you can bet your bottom dollar that it is a fundamental development. Not so much a technical one because the rest of the market is very stale right now. And it'd be very surprising if ThorChain was running on its own without a technical, a fundamental update. We're also seeing that Elrond, Basic Attention Token, the Graph, eCash, and several others, IoT, EX, IOTEX, are sitting up in the gaining category right now. But pretty much the entire cryptocurrency market is sideways or to the downside. Now, we're about to jump into Bitcoin technical analysis. But even before we do, I want to throw it to Tim. And I want to ask Tim, what do we do as traders and investors when the market is going sideways? What do we do with ourselves? Because it can be very boring. It can be hard to find opportunities to actually make gains in trades. So what should we do with ourselves? The number one thing you do when everything is boring and down is you start to learn and you start to do your research and you invest in your education. The second thing you do is you buy the dip. That's all I got. That's fair enough. <laughs> it's pretty good. That's pretty, pretty good. That's pretty, That's, good advice. Is, you know. That's pretty good advice. No, but for real, guys, what you need to realize our society, and specifically, to be honest with you, our currencies, and I'm about to jump into technical analysis and show you all of this, specifically our currencies have trained us to have an instant gratification mindset. Now, we're also predisposed biologically to instant gratification. We like to do things that give us gratification immediately. We eat, it tastes good. You know, we sleep, we feel good. We take a shower, it feels good. We like to do things that give us gratification right now. However, there's a reason that the very successful people in the world understand the concept of delayed gratification. They understand that if you're able to put work in now and not have a payoff for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, you're going to be better off because if you can extend that time horizon, you're going to be able to invest more and then reap more rewards. But the problem is the currency is losing between 2 and 10% of its value every single year. Depending on who you ask, if you look at CPI data for the last 20 years, it's 2%. If you look at the real data, looking at home values and stock prices and asset markets, it's really losing 7 to 10% of its value over the last 20 years. And it has been doing that ever since 1971 when the breakup of the Bretton Woods Agreement took us off the gold standard of the US dollar. So the US dollar is losing value, and that is leading people to not want to store their value in the US dollar. So what do they do? They go and spend it. We have been born and raised in a culture of instant gratification because if you don't spend it now, what's the point? You're going to lose it. You might as well go out and buy a new car. You might as well go out and buy a $500,000 house when you can barely afford it. You might as well get rid of the money because you can't hold on to it. But what I want you to do is to not think with an instant gratification mindset and say, okay, Bitcoin, I need it to move really exciting right now. I need it to be in a massive uptrend right now. I need to see it in a massive dump so that I can short it right now. Get this right now mindset out of your brain. You will be much better off. I have been through very boring pieces of the market. In fact, I'm going to show you some of the history of Bitcoin that I myself have walked through. I've been in crypto for four and a half years 
years now. This July will be five years. I got into cryptocurrency on July 31st, 2017. I watched a video called How I Made $30,000 a Month Mining Bitcoin from a guy named Crypto Nick. This video had almost 100,000 views. I'm sorry, it had like 40,000 views. I watched it. I saw, wow, this dude is 18 years old. I was 17 at the time, making 30 grand of a year, uh, excuse me, 30 grand a month on this random website. Watch some of his more recent videos. Dude was making a million bucks a year. Now, he ended up being involved in Ponzi schemes like BitConnect and got you know, shut down and lawyers and all that stuff. But the point is, that's how I got into cryptocurrency. I saw people making a lot of money. I got into cryptocurrency saying, wow, what if I could do that and I could give back to my community? I could help my family. I could do all the things that I need to do. I got into cryptocurrency because I want financial sovereignty. And let me show you the way I achieved that. If we look at July 31st, 2017, Bitcoin is trading at, 20, uh, at $2,900. If we fast forward a year to July 31st of the next year, Bitcoin was barely moving at all. I had been running the YouTube channel for quite some time. Uh, well, not for quite some time, but for about eight months come July of 2018. And right around July of 2018 began a period of three months of sideways movement, 90 to 100 days where Bitcoin traded between six and seven and a half thousand dollars and did basically nothing. Through all of this time, I was thinking to myself how boring the market is. A video would get 3,000 views when before it would get 10,000 views. The channel was doing nothing. We're getting next to no views because everybody was bored. I made a video every single day. I think I may have missed one day in those three months of uploading. I'm talking seven days a week because I knew that if I put the work in now, then it would pay off then. And come then, which is now, four years later, it is paying off because I invested in the channel in the short term, knowing full well that it might not bring a return now. It might not bring a return in a year or two or even five. But if I do this consistently, if I continue to grow and hone my skill, own my craft and continue to develop this thing that I am nurturing called the YouTube channel, then eventually it'll pay off. Eventually it'll grow. Eventually it'll get bigger. Now we have a quarter million subscribers and 300,000 followers around social media because I did that and because we were able to stay consistent. What's my point here? My point is that whenever Bitcoin is boring, you are nurturing something if you're in the cryptocurrency space. I was nurturing a YouTube channel as well as a crypto portfolio. You may or may not be on YouTube, but I can guarantee you if you're watching this video, you are trying to nurture and grow a cryptocurrency portfolio. So let me tell you some of the lessons that I have learned over my experience in cryptocurrency that helped me to do that. Number one, you win when it gets boring. You win when it gets hard. You win when it gets stagnant. You win when it gets frustrating, when you get angry, when you get mad, when you start to FUD, that's when you win. Because you don't win at, I mean, Smay, you play sports. Do, it, it, do you win when you're, you know, hitting a free throw 90% of the time? Or do you win when you can barely sink the basketball and you got to sit there and shoot it a hundred times and you get two in? Where do you learn more, when you're failing or when you're succeeding? Uh, when you're failing, it pushes you to want to succeed more. Exactly. Because if you're winning, you're winning. You don't need to worry about winning because you're already winning. I think it's a very simple concept. The people that are very high performers in this world, they win on the hard days. That is one of the greatest lessons I ever learned about entrepreneurship, about cryptocurrency, and about life. Anybody can win on the easy days. It's what you do on the hard days. What's a hard day? A boring day, a frustrating day, a uh, angry day, you know, a FUD day, a crash day, a day where you lose $60,000 in a day like Kelly did, and then he managed to build it all back because he used that as tuition, as he calls it. So my point here is that when Bitcoin is side ways as it is right now. Don't look at it as a bad thing. Don't look at this as a horrible, horrible time. Oh no, there's no volatility. I can't make any trades today. Stop worrying about today. Worry about 10 years from now. Think about 10 years from now and look back. In, t in 10 years, are you going to look back and say, man, I wish I had made a good trade on March 15, 2022? Or are you going to say, man, I wish I had grown in my patience. Man, I wish I had grown in my skill set. Man, I wish I had grown in my technical analysis know-how. You're going to say you wish you had grown. So I encourage you to do that. With all of that said, that's just some of the things that I've learned. Let's go ahead and look at the technical analysis. There's not a lot to talk about right now, guys. It is a very boring market. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you some technical analysis, and I'm going to dive into some teaching about what to do in a market like this, because I firmly believe that you always need to be growing and learning, but especially when the market is boring, because there might not be a great opportunity to make a trade. That gives you more time to focus on your learning and your knowledge and your skill sets. As a business owner, it allows you to you know, work on your systems, work on your people, work on your culture, develop these things, continue to grow even when things are boring. Because the person that jumps from sport to sport to sport to sport will never master one. But if somebody plays basketball for 30 years, I bet you that they're going to be pretty dang good at it. I love basketball. I love basketball too. I don't play it very much, but it is a good sport. I love so, it. 
let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the technical landscape of Bitcoin because as you know, it is trading sideways. There's a few things I want to show you that are on the macro level. I'm going to be very brief on this because I talked about it yesterday. By the way, if you haven't already, smash that like button. Let's see if we can't get those likes to uh, 750 here in just the next little bit. And by the way, share this stream with somebody if you think that they need to hear about this whole difference between delayed and instant gratification. It really does make a difference if you put that into effect. But in the true spirit of delayed gratification, you got to give it a couple years to really see the results of it. Right now, Bitcoin is in a massive ascending triangle pattern, as you can see with this flat level of resistance up in the mid 60s and this uptrending level of support here that has been in play for a year and a half ever since Christmas of 2020. The reason that's important is because this ascending triangle pattern, technically speaking, should break to the upside. Now, one thing you have to keep in mind about long-term patterns on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies is that oftentimes, the larger the pattern, the less likely it is to play out the way that it technically should. Technically speaking, this ascending triangle pattern should break to the upside with 70% certainty. That is what classical technical analysis will teach, uh, will teach you. That's what we teach in the Cryptocurrency Technical Analysis Academy. Now, there are also major fundamental variables that go into play here as well. So we have to keep that in mind. Technically, this should break to the upside side, but fundamentally, we will have to see on that. Zooming in a little bit, we can see that Bitcoin does have more or less a head and shoulders pattern right here. You can see the left shoulder back over here in August and September, the head over the course of October and November. And then you could make an argument that we're forming a lower right shoulder right now. And if we were doing that, then this would be the shoulder line and this would be the price target pushing us down to, uh, to $18,000. I am not for a second saying that's going to happen, but that would be the price target if we were to go through with that. So what do we do when we have two conflicting long-term macro patterns. Well, we say for a little bit that they kind of cancel each other out just slightly. And then we look at the macro trend, which in this in this case, the more the larger trend is a trend to the downside. And we would say, okay, we're trending to the downside right now, then we would probably bet more on the bearish pattern because we're bearish right now. So what the macro is telling us is that there's a technical reason why we should break to the upside. There are a multitude of fundamental reasons why we should break to the upside. But the FUD in the market says that we should break to the downside. And that inverse head and shoulders pattern says we should break to the downside. When, what happens when we have major forces pushing us to the upside, major forces pushing us to the downside? Well, they cancel each other out and you move sideways. That's why we've been moving sideways for the last three months, in my opinion, is that Bitcoin has had its equal and opposite forces cancel each other out. There's a tug of war going on between the bulls and the bears, and they're about evenly matched. The bears were winning. That's why we pulled back from $70,000. But now we got to a point where the bears are a little bit overextended and it's hard for them to pull us farther. So what do we make of all of this? What, what do we make of three months of sideways trading for Bitcoin? Well, what I would say I make a of three months of sideways trading for Bitcoin is I would say that this is a zone where Bitcoin is establishing itself for the future. Let me show you what I mean. If you look in 2017, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, 2018, what did Bitcoin do? It traded sideways more or less around six to $8,000 for a year. It established that Bitcoin was worth at least $6,000. How do I know that? Because when we fell below $6,000, we didn't stay down there long. Within six months, we had rallied back above $6,000. You see that? We established $6,000 as a fair value for Bitcoin. We pulled below it, and then we rallied. What happened there? We traded sideways more or less around eight dollars to $12,000 for a year and a half. What happened when we fell below eight dollars to $12,000? We bounced back, and we rallied very quickly. We see this is now the third time that Bitcoin has been trading sideways and reestablishing fair market value. What could happen from here is that Bitcoin could have a capitulation event down to $20,000 as that head and shoulders pattern would predict. And then that would be one of these capitulation events right here. We would go to overextended and then Bitcoin would realize, or I should say the market and the investor would realize Bitcoin is overextended to the downside. It's worth more than $20,000. Then the dip would get bought back up. That is one scenario. The other scenario is that the dark clouds of geopolitics lift, the war in Ukraine ends, interest rates somehow get raised without collapsing the economy, and we see inflation slows down, and Bitcoin starts to rally. But the other thing that you got to keep in mind is that inflation being very high is one of the driving factors of Bitcoin. So here are the two solutions in the long run. Either one, Bitcoin is establishing fair market value at a much higher level than it ever has before, and we can see a capitulation event to the downside, and then a major rally moving into the end of this year. Or we could see this ascending triangle pattern on the short term and this ascending triangle pattern on the medium to excuse me on the long term cause us to break to the upside rally to $70,000 as more and more people around the world such as in Canada where bank accounts were seized such as in the Ukraine where bank accounts were were you know attacked because there's a war going on such as in Russia where there are sanctions going on more and more people realize hey bitcoin was created for a purpose on principles and it is the solution to their problems and then they start to invest in bitcoin either way 
The takeaway here is that Bitcoin is an unstoppable virus, a good kind of virus that is completely and totally indestructible and maybe one of the most indestructible things ever created by mankind. And it will continue to grow because it is virtually impossible to disagree with the purpose of Bitcoin to put monetary sovereignty back in the hands of the people unless you're an authoritarian bureaucrat in politics or in high government office. Bitcoin is a populist currency and it will help to build the future of our finance. Now, Tim, I want to hear I want to hear your opinion a little bit on the longer-term perspective of perspective of Bitcoin. Obviously, Bitcoin isn't doing much on the on the on the short-term time frame. We all know the phrase when in doubt zoom out, although we also obviously always need a reminder of that. What are some of your outcomes for the next year now that we have more of an idea yeah. of what 2022 is going to look like geopolitically? You know, I uh, let me get find it here. I put this on Twitter this morning and I'm going to go find it and I thought I don't know why I didn't have it up already. But there you know Google Trends right now. We talked about this before. Uh, you can go to my screen, old Smanold. Google Trends at the moment are on the way down with the word crypto. And it looks like projecting over the next couple of weeks that's going to continue to go down. Now, I put on my Twitter post, I said uh, that, you know, crypto searches are going down dramatically. This tends to happen right before rallies. This doesn't mean the rally is coming next week. This could still be a month, two months, three months away. But what this is talking about right here with Google Trends, we are going actually and looking at what retail investors are going to look up. What happens when retail investors start to get bored out of something that's fundamentally solid? And that is what Bitcoin is. If this was a meme coin or something else, a meme project, and the retail investors are starting to get flooded out and they're starting to get bored, they're starting to walk away, that's when you see the price getting down. But we know institutions want to come in. When you compile all the information that we've seen developing over the last couple of years, we've seen institutions become hungry, some already diving in. We've seen others stay on the sideline while waiting for regulation. Well, what's another thing that's going to be happening this year that we just found out within the last couple of weeks is that the U.S. government and other governments are starting to discuss what future regulation is going to look like. And again, whether you like that word regulation or not, this is what brings clarity and like consistency to the market that gives comfort to the institutions to actually want to go ahead and go in. So I'm seeing the long outcome of Bitcoin, as much as it's boring right now, and a lot as, as what we're seeing on Google Trends happening, retail investors are getting bored. Guess who doesn't get bored? Guess who waits for this type of stuff to happen? institutions in Wales. Why? Because they have so much money, they're willing to wait out longer than any of the rest of the retail investors. And so they wait to see, hey, I'm not going to dive in when all the retailers are, are muddying up the scene. When they start to step away, that's when I'm going to make my play. That's when prices will be low. That's when I can get as much supply as possible. And then we'll see a rally. I, I still think, you know, when as Jeb said right before he threw it to me, you zoom in, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of there's a lot of craziness going on right now. As he said, we're in a we're in a setting triangle, and you're on my chart now, Smay. So we're in a shorter time frame, a setting triangle between again starting back here on January 24th, where we hit the 33, uh, the 35,000 with the daily close, and then we came up to this 44,000 dollar region. We're still playing around this region. What I don't like, just so you guys know, and Jeb, you can tell me if you're wrong, is how much time we spent at the bottom of this support level rather than being at the top. Yes, yes that's important. We touched it a couple times, but look at how the price action and all reality is kind of staying on the bottom side. Someone asked me this on Twitter the other day. Someone asked him, what do you think about the fact that we're seem to be riding the support line? Here's the thing. This tends to, and I want to be key with that word tends. Something could change, something could break. But when a price hangs out on a support line for a lot of, a long period of time, it tends to end up breaking that support line. Yep. Whereas this formation as a whole should break bullish. What we're seeing in the price action happening is actually information telling us we're probably going to break bearish. But again, this would make a lot of sense because when you zoom out and you talk about everything we just talked about, retail investors seem to be getting bored right now. Retail searches for uh, crypto and Bitcoin and everything else related to crypto is going down. It would make a lot of sense for there to be a sell-off, the price to come down into the lower 30s again, and then the, re the institutional buys actually go ahead and happen. When you zoom out, this is what they're looking at. Uh, just so you guys know, retail investors are looking at this. Retail investors are looking at this price action. This is all they see. Oh, I don't know why I'm still drawing. And, they, and they're, they're trying to make decisions based off of this. Institutions in Wales are looking at this. Institutions in Wales are looking at the long-term time frame of what Bitcoin has been doing and saying, wow, 
this is a really great time to get in. So they're buying a little bit and selling a little bit. That's part of manipulation. But they're waiting for the right opportunity to present itself. They're waiting for the regulational clarity that they've been looking for here for a couple of years. And a long time frame, we talked about this yesterday, or not yesterday, last week. I drew it from down here. That probably was a bad way to draw it. What I'm seeing happen right now is actually if I reinforce this support line right here, and even though I know Jeb put a flat top, which is a reasonable way to do it, if you put an ascending top here, we actually have a flag forming. And instead of going all the way down to the pandemic levels, I'm gonna start right here on the, the 7th of September of 2020. This flag right here is what they the traders of institutions are looking at, and this would give us a rough price estimate of about 200, oh, a little over $200,000, right? That's what institutions in Wales are looking at long-term. That's what they're doing at Zooming Out. So when Jeb says, guys, I love this as being boring, why do we love it being boring? Because even though we know that a lot of institution, or sorry, a lot of retail investors are gonna get out and that saddens us, we know that these are the opportunities that smart money looks for to make investments. And that doesn't mean tomorrow, that doesn't mean next week, it could still be a month, two months from now, but as we said in the beginning of the stream, what do you do when Bitcoin is boring? You first of all, you educate yourself. You go back and do a back analysis. You learn about the project. You learn about what you want to invest in. You learn about proper strategies. And the second thing you do is you buy at those low levels, those dips. That's what I'm seeing on the charts right now. That's my that's my take. What Sailor said in an interview with Patrick Bed David uh, two weeks ago today was that, well, it was released two weeks ago today, was that he sees the short term as four years, long term, 10 years. Now, obviously, Michael Sailor is an institution. He's got $7 billion. Uh, well, he used to be $7 billion worth of Bitcoin, about $4 billion now. He's got, I think, some somewhere in the teens of thousands, tens of thousands, about t like twelve to 17,000 Bitcoin personally. Obviously, the dude has a lot of money, but I think it's important that we look at the short term not as a day, not as, you know, a week. Maybe I should stop calling a week short term because really that's not short term. Technically speaking, according to the, you know, the IRS, anything under a year is short term capital gains taxes. I really look at short term as anything between a year and three years. I look at long term as five to 10 years. And I think it's very important that we think about it that way. If we think about the short term as well, the short term as in being a couple of years, that helps us to readjust our perspective. So what I would say, is that during times like these, it's so very important to study. It is so very important to dig into interviews, such as interviews with Michael Saylor, such as the interview I did with Charles Hoskinson. Go back and watch that interview. Charles Hoskinson did an amazing job breaking down what Cardano is and the purpose of it. Right now, when Bitcoin doesn't seem to be doing anything and you don't have any real trades to make, there's not a lot of opportunity in the altcoin space, use that time to study because I have always said, and I will always say, what do I say? You can say it with me in the comments. The best investment you will ever make is an investment in yourself, an investment in your research, an investment in your skill sets, an investment in your habits and disciplines and education and identity. An investment in yourself is the best investment you will ever make because you are the one that is making all of these trades. So if you are bad at trading or if you're bad at investing or you're bad at staying up to date and researching the projects that you're invested in, you're not going to make as much money. And it's not all about the money, but if you're a trader, that's kind of the purpose of what you're doing. You want to make more money. If you're investing, you want to grow your portfolio. So you need to invest in yourself first. And then after you have invested in yourself, then you will be much more capable of making proper trades and investments. And you'll be very glad that you did that. With that said, we're going to go ahead and move on into some super chats. Yeah. And then we are going to jump into a discussion about inflation and why Bitcoin is the answer. If you're enjoying today's stream, smash that like button. We got 1,400 people watching, 400 likes. Pretty good like ratio, but I know we can get it higher. Let's get to 500 likes. Thank you so much to all of our faithful that are here. Yeah. By the way, today's show is brought to you by the Bitcoin 2022 conference. You can get your tickets with the link in the description box down below. If you want to meet us, you definitely ought to go because we, are all going to be there. Make sure to check out that link in the description. Uh, we have some super chats here. Dimitri gave here a little bit ago. Dimitri uh, just wanted, he's just thinking the team he said, the Jeb team refunded me the CZ2A even if the cancel policy was passed and I was able to send this money to my Ukrainian family forever grateful. Uh, just so you guys know, there is like a refund policy. There's a, there's a what is it, a 30 day? I believe it's it's either 30 or 14 days. 30 or 14, something. There's, there's but we do wave it. Return policy. I've, I've personally waived it many times. But, Again, uh, we want you guys to know, as much as we have a business here and we do keep the lights on and everything, we want, you know, this is a family. We want to see you guys be successful. So, Dimitri, uh, we're so grateful that you're able to use that money yeah, wisely. That's great. Um, again, if you guys have any questions about what we do, not just on the channel, 
email our support team. Yeah. Uh, you guys, Taylor actually reads all those emails. Taylor, my wife. A lot of you guys have gotten to meet her. Yeah. Uh, Taylor's awesome. She's, yeah, she is definitely awesome. Let's go to the next one. Taryn Crypto. Why is that thing in the way? Taryn Crypto said, we need to, we need reasonable regulations. The red light stop signs and street paint of crypto. Don't stop, don't stifle innovation. Pay the tax man, live long and prosper. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, and that's part of it. And again, not everyone's happy about it. And, and I understand why, but Jeb even said it the other day, Bitcoin wasn't made to not have regulation. It just was made so that that regulation doesn't stifle what it actually is. It was to made be. to be unstoppable. It was made yeah. to be a, it was made to be a cyber virus that you could never shut down. You cannot kill Bitcoin. The regulation can attempt to shut down and ban Bitcoin, but it will fail completely and totally fail. But regulation that does not try to kill Bitcoin, but that tries to, you know, corral it into a much more healthy manner, that will definitely succeed. There's a hundred trillion dollars in assets sitting on the sidelines right now waiting to jump into Bitcoin. And once there is proper regulatory clarity, it will do so. Two more I see here, and we also have a, well, I'll announce his name here in just a minute. We have a new Jedi Youngling, Whoa, but I'm going to say you. that for last. Daniel Warzeka. I think that's how that's pronounced. Have you heard of Abra Crypto Platform? I like the APY and CP, CRPX tokenomics. I just want another opinion. Haven't looked into it Yeah, I say Daniel, I'm not one that I think we're familiar with. Yep. Uh, so, sorry. There is good news, and I'll tell you guys later. We do have stuff coming out that will help answer some of these questions for the future, but you're going to have to wait on that one. Uh, Bobo the Crypto Hobo said, will you guys look into fetch.ai uh, or FET is the the ticker symbol, Fet. and form an opinion on what the future is. So this kind of same thing, sorry, Bobo the Crypto Hobo, I, I don't think, Fet, you know Fetch AI? I, I do wanna, not, no. I didn't no. think so. Yeah. So again, not sorry about that, Bobo. Cameron just gave, and he said, this is an investment in my future by supporting this Aww. awesome channel. Thanks a million. <laughs> Three X's. Thank you so much, Cameron. I really appreciate that, buddy. Th- as, thank you, man. As we close out, about to head back into our show, uh, talking about what the long-term strategy we have as a, as a team here. Relaxed Monster is now a Jebi Youngling. Woo. So welcome to the team, welcome. Relaxed Monster. Thank you. That means, I don't, what is the color? Put in chat, what is the color you guys see? I see, when I'm looking at Google at YouTube, I see all those names as being green. Does someone get a different I see them color? as green. I see them as green, yeah. Uh, so some, I'm people, also some people don't see the green names, but what you guys all will see 100% is the badges next to your name. Yes. And badges. the color corresponds to how long they've been a member. So if you have a Navy badge, that means you're a brand new member. If you have uh, anything closer to red, that's the longer you have been. So Matt C, if you look at Matt C's name, he has a red badge. That means he's been a member been for a around long time. the block. He's been around since we made the program. So another thing uh, it, that it, is your badge of honor. Another thing it does is all those names. There's a couple different perks, and that's why even TZ's now on the on the team is to help make sure we uh, do all that. But this Thursday is a community uh, stream. So yep. oh, it all, is all, good. Yep, that's right. Only it's been the two people weeks. with uh, in the community get to be a part of that stream. It is Heck awesome. Yeah. You definitely want to be a part of it. We got some great things. Last couple ones have been pretty fun. Those are yeah. definitely. We fun. got some great things coming for the community, but we're gonna go ahead and keep on moving here, guys. Thank you so very much for all of your support. We're gonna get to all those super chats before the stream is over. Thank you guys so very much for all of the support. It really does help, uh, and it also just feels good. It may it, whenever you guys super chat, I normally it means that you guys are enjoying the content, and that's what we want to do. I just want to reiterate the reason that we're here. We're not here as a company that is trying to make money so that we can enrich Tim or Smay or Jeb. We are here as a company that is running as a ministry and we want to help to support you to achieve financial sovereignty. What does that mean? That means having control over your finances and your financial systems and institutions rather than them having control over you. That is the core of what we do. It took me four and a half years to figure out how to phrase that. That's what we do. We stand for financial sovereignty. Drop some hashtag Fensovs in chat. So thank you guys so very much for your continued support. What we're going to do now I'm going to do a soft introduction of the interview that we're going to be doing this Thursday that will be going out in the next couple of weeks. It won't be going out this weekend. It might be going out sometime after that. We don't know exactly when it's going to be going out, but I am going to be conducting an interview with Michael Saylor. And I kind of want to break down a little bit of his story, his history. You've probably heard the name, but I doubt you've heard the entire story. So I'm going to break down in about five minutes his story, why he is such a big name in crypto when back in 2013 he hated Bitcoin and when he did, when he just barely got into crypto like two and a half years ago, why he's such a big name. So let me back up. You're going to want to hear this because this is a very powerful story that he has to tell. Michael Saylor formed MicroStrategy in 1989. It is a company with over 40 patents and it works on all kinds of different technology. It's a technology company that does $500 million a year in revenue. It has 2,000 employees. He is personally worth a couple of billion dollars. It is a publicly traded company under the ticker symbol MSTR. 
That company has $500 million a year in revenue, and it also had many hundreds of millions of dollars in equity sitting on the sidelines. Now, what companies do when they have a lot of cash on hand is that they either store it in cash or near cash equivalents. A near cash equivalent would be something like a short-term bond. It would be something like an equity, like a stock. It would be something that, would, that they could use to hedge inflation. Now, what Michael Saylor did about three years ago is he realized CPI data is completely backwards, and the U.S. dollar is not inflating at two or three percent a year as it was claimed to have been inflating back through the 2000s and 2010s. It was actually inflating closer to seven to ten percent based on the money supply going up and based on the way that the stock market is going up seven to ten percent a year. It's not that stocks are getting all that much more valuable. It's that the it's that the currency is losing most of its value. So what he realized when they turned on the money printers come two thousand uh, come 2020 during the pandemic he realized that if he didn't do anything within 36 months, he would lose a quarter of a billion dollars of shareholder value that was sitting in cash and bonds that were paying 0% in yields. So what he decided to do is he went on a goose chase trying to figure out where can he put a quarter billion dollars of shareholder value of the money that the company MicroStrategy was holding so that that company would not lose all of its money and the shareholders would lose tons of value. The price of the stock was trading at $120 at the time. It could have dropped all the way down to $60 if he had to use that money to do a stock buyback, it would have completely wiped out the future and the savings and the retirement accounts of all of his employees. His employees would have left and gone to Google and Facebook, and he would have had his entire company collapse after nearly 30 years, after over 30 years of building it. So we looked around trying to figure out where could he put this money. And he came to realize that the only place that he could put that money is in one place that we're all very familiar with. He looked at putting it into land. He looked at putting it into beachfront property. He looked at putting it into art. He looked at putting it into gold. He looked at putting it into foreign currencies. He looked at putting it into all kinds of things. And he realized that no matter where he put this money, he would lose the vast majority of it. If you put it in gold, gold is inflated 2% every year because it's still being mined. If you put it in the U.S. dollar, you used to lose 7 to 10% of its value every single year. Now you're losing 20 to 30% of its value every year with the way the money printers are running. If you put it in land, well, then you have to pay 2% property tax in most parts of the world. So you're losing 2% of your money every single year. That, and then also all the maintenance that you have to do on it, in 30 years, you will have lost the entire value of the property because you had to pay all of that money to keep it up. He realized that there's actually only one truly scarce asset in the entirety of human civilization, and it was founded and created and launched on January 3rd of 2009, and it's called Bitcoin. He realized that if he wanted to put that money in a place that he could store it for the long run. And by the long run, he's not talking two or three years. He's talking a hundred plus years. There was only one place he could put it and it was Bitcoin. And when he realized that, he turned MicroStrategy into a company that pretty much all of the profit that they made, all of the operating income that they made, all of the cash on the side they made, he just started throwing it into Bitcoin. That's why you started hearing his name in early 2021 when he brought together a council of a ton of different people, ton of different organizations, many, 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 many different institutions started talking with him. And he went around and evangelized all the other billionaires that he's friends with and has rubbed shoulders with and spoke to all of them and said, hey, look, if you want to to store your wealth into the future, there's only one place to do it, and it is Bitcoin. He realized that inflation is a skewed statistic. The CPI does not include many things that it should, like home values, which have gone up ridiculously much. He has a $50,000, excuse me, a $50 million mansion in Miami that was sold in 1930 for $100,000. The mansion didn't get any less valuable. The mansion didn't get any more valuable. The dollar got less valuable. He realized that there's only one solution to one of the most existential problems that we face right now, and that is portability of money across time. I should say value across time. So MicroStrategy holds about 130,000 Bitcoin. I believe he holds about 15,000 Bitcoin in his own rights worth billions of dollars. I'm going to be interviewing him on Thursday. And we're going to talk about all of that and more in that interview. I just wanted to kind of introduce him. And now I want to open a conversation between myself, Tim and Smay about why Bitcoin is the one and only answer to that problem of inflation that makes it absolutely impossible for us to store value into the future. Tim, what do you see Bitcoin as the solution to? I think a lot of us know Bitcoin is a solution, but what? how would you articulate the problem that it's trying to solve? You know, so we're going to find out a lot here in the, the next two days. I know some people think that the announcement is coming today. I think it might be tomorrow, but we do know that right I don't know. I don't actually know what they're meaning right this second. But today, the Fed is meeting to discuss what they want to do about inflation. Now, the reason I'm mentioning that is what was Bitcoin's creation? What was one of the purposes to be a hedge against inflation? And I've seen a lot of people kind of addressing this and attacking this and saying, if it's supposed to be a hedge against inflation, why is it seem to go down with the stock market? Why is inflation being a big deal bearish for Bitcoin? The reason for that is because at the moment, most of the investors, not all, most, 
use it and treat it similar to commodities and stocks. That goes down when inflation goes up. That's a bearish thing. But what I think it could potentially potentially be happening this year is we're going to see the split. We're going to see people actually learn that it is a fight against inflation. And the reason why is because people are tired. People are very tired of losing money against inflation and other things that degrade the dollar every single day. It is dying. And I've said this before on this channel, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to keep saying it. Before Bitcoin existed and before its education and people started learning more about it, there was no hope for the dying U.S. dollar. It was just something we thought we had to live with. And what's crazy is, despite the fact the U.S. dollar sucked, it was still the greatest currency in the entire world. So it kind of was that pacifier in the baby's mouth that kept them quiet. But the problem is that people still realize it. Go look at a gas price. Go look at gas prices right now. Go, if you're in a construction company, go look at the price of lumber. Go, even if you're just a mother or father trying to feed your family, walk through the grocery store or go through the drive-thru at McDonald's and tell me you are not suffering from the dying US dollar. Now, we have moved forward into a time where there's actually a hope and something that can fight that that uh, death of fiat currency, and that is Bitcoin. And it's only a matter of time before people's eyes actually open up and realize that that's going to happen. And I think things like what we see happen right now, things that we saw happen both in Canada, things that we see happening over in Ukraine, things that are happening in Russia, things that are happening in China, all over the world in the Eastern Hemisphere, the case for cryptocurrency is screaming louder than ever before. And it's a lot long before it catches up to the rest of the world. We've already seen countries like El Salvador decide, you know what, we're done with regular fiat currency. We're we're moving to Bitcoin. How much longer until we see other countries at least start taking steps in that direction? And I know governments won't like it and they're going to fight it. But the good news is, is that as Jeb said earlier in this stream, Bitcoin was created to be an unstoppable train. And that's exactly what it's done. Watch as it actually fights to uh, against all these things that are happening in fiat currency. And it actually becomes what it was purposed for in the first place. You know why the US dollar and excuse me, you know why Bitcoin is correlated with the stock market? Because 80% of people in Bitcoin are in Bitcoin for the wrong reason. They're in Bitcoin to get rich quick. They're in Bitcoin because they think it's going to make them a millionaire. That's why I got into Bitcoin. I thought, oh, wow, this will make me a bunch of money, and then I can go and use it to help people and help my family. That's why I got into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. I didn't get into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency because I want a Lambo. I got into Bitcoin and crypto because you need money to live in this world. 80% of people in Bitcoin are in it for the wrong reasons. There, I said it. Most of the people in this chat are in Bitcoin for the reason of achieving financial sovereignty insofar as being able to provide for themselves. But that actually wasn't exactly why Bitcoin was formed, or at least that's not the whole picture. The people that are getting into Bitcoin in Ukraine right now because their banking system just collapsed because the war is destroying their nation, they're in Bitcoin for the reason it was created. The people in Russia who probably don't want the war in the first place, the populace, who their ruble just dropped 30% in two weeks because hyperinflation happens quick. It happens slow and then all at once. They're getting into Bitcoin for the right reasons. People in El Salvador, they've been left behind by the traditional banking system. It took them 100 years to get 2 million, 3 million people online. They managed to do the same thing in four weeks with Bitcoin. I interviewed the man that worked on the security that did it down in Miami two months ago. They're getting in, in it for the right reasons. And we are too. I shouldn't say that we're getting in it for the wrong reasons. My point here is that Bitcoin was created to be another option. You see, we before Bitcoin had no options. We just had to pay 2% transaction fees if we wanted to do a foreign exchange. We just had to do, uh, we just had to pay, you know, 22% remittance if we're trying to send money to Afghanistan where there's no tr banking systems. Well, where does somebody in Afghanistan, a nation that has been completely devastated, put their money? Do they put it in the local currency? Do they put it in land there that might get destroyed? Where do they put their money to store it into the future? They can't do that. How do you build wealth in a nation that has no stability? How do you build wealth in a nation where the currency is collapsing? How do you build wealth in Venezuela where the, where the, where the currency is worthless? How do you do that? The currency is worth less than toilet paper, literally worth less than toilet paper. What you see most people doing when war breaks out in a nation is they go and buy stuff. They go and buy toilet paper or cereal. We saw this in Zimbabwe. They go and buy 29 cars. There was one story that Michael talked about in an interview that I'm quoting from yesterday. It was on Patrick Matt Davis' channel. Go watch that interview. Great interview with Michael Saylor. Shout out to PBD and Michael Saylor. I have a lot of respect for both those men. It was great seeing them in a room together. He talked about how somebody bought 29 cars when a war broke out and the currency was losing all its valuation because the cars were going to store the value better. And the government came and sequestered their cars because they said the dude was hoarding. He wasn't hoarding. He was trying to store his value. That's what Bitcoin was made for, guys. Bitcoin was made to be a safe haven. It was made to be a place where you can run from collapsing financial institutions and collapsing banking systems. 
And my point here is that the reason that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are so correlated to the stock market is because most of the people in Bitcoin right now are from the first world and they have a relatively well-working banking system. They're not getting into Bitcoin because their currency is collapsing. They're getting into Bitcoin because they want to make more money. And there's nothing wrong with that. I shouldn't say that that's not the wrong reason for getting in Bitcoin. That's not the wrong reason for getting in Bitcoin. That's a perfectly good reason. Hashtag Finsolve. What I am, however, saying is that as more banking systems fail, as more economies go through hyperinflation, as we have seen in Argentina, Zimbabwe, uh, Venezuela, as we've seen in uh, you know Weimar Germany back in the 30s, as we saw in uh, Russia right now with the ruble dropping 30% in, a, in, in weeks, as you see more and more countries going that route, as we've seen hyperinflation, and yes, there is getting to be hyperinflation in the U.S. dollar, if you're talking about 20 or 30% inflation year over year, CPI at 7.9% is a joke. It's ridiculous. It's much higher than that. When you see that happening, people have to flee somewhere. As time goes on and more currencies fail, more and more people will go to Bitcoin for the reason of hedging against inflation. As they do that, Bitcoin will continue to rally. It looks like Bitcoin is correlated with the stock market, but it's really not that correlated with the stock market in the long run. One, Bitcoin rallies much faster. And two, the reason the stock market's going up so much is because there was an influx of liquidity of $3 trillion printed dollars in 2020, and that is why the stock market went up so much. You see, gas prices go up. Housing prices are going up. Main Street's getting screwed, and Wall Street's getting rich. Wall Street going up is not an indication that the economy's doing well. Is the economy doing better now than it was three years ago? No. But the stock market's at an all-time high. Bitcoin is rallying because it's the answer and the stock market is rallying because it is in bed with the problem. That's why it looks like it's correlated, but it's just not. Anyway, I'm over time. So let's go ahead and move into some Super Chats. Tim or Smay, if you have any final thoughts, let's hear them. Smay didn't get to talk on that one, so if he has any thoughts, I'll I'll let him. I mean, to be honest with you, I can't really more eloquently say anything you guys just said. I agree with everything. I think the only thing I would say is then how does this translate to uh, my strategy? And I think ultimately... For just so I can relate to some of you guys real quick, it's not like uh, you know, it's not like we're here saying that we have so much more, we're so much more rich than you guys, you know. No, we're, you know, so it's like here at the end of the day, all it takes is just a little bit here and there. You know, dollar cost averaging is something is is a really powerful tool, and it just gets you in the right mindset, especially if if, if we're talking about saving your value into the future. We're very, very, very firm on not investing more than you're willing to lose or you're able to lose, right? So ultimately, it's a very important thing that you're not focused on just trying to get rich quick because there is no such thing as a foolproof way to get rich quick. All right. That there is there's so many there's so many ways that that can fail you. What doesn't fail you is uh, long term delayed gratification and constantly just taking step by step by step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And so you don't you know, don't feel like what you're doing by, you know, skipping Starbucks one day and putting that into Bitcoin is a waste. It's not. It's not. You're, you're building slowly but surely, slowly but surely. And as your financial situation gets better and it gets better and it gets better, you can start increasing that number. But dollar cost averaging can start with a dollar. I know there was a guy who was putting a dollar in every, you know, every hour. Now, you that you That's know, pretty cool. That's pretty like cool, that. but like you can do you can even do, you know, you can do a dollar a day. You can do a dollar a week if you have to. You know what I mean? Yep. But it's all contributing to the same end goal and it it teaches you not only it, it doesn't only just teach you uh, you know, t- to work towards a goal, but it's also teaching you financial discipline, which is something that comes with financial sovereignty. It, so that's exactly right. Exactly what Smay just said. And in the words of Michael Saylor, since this whole segment's kind of, uh, you know, themed around him, one of the other things that he said that I was researching yesterday is that what MicroStrategy does is they find money, they put it in Bitcoin. That's literally just what they did. They're like, oh, hey, look, we got $100 million from a profitable enterprise over here. Let's just toss it in Bitcoin because we'll be okay without it. That right there is kind of the crux of what we're talking about. If you have money that you don't need, instead of going and buying a $10,000 watch or instead of going and buying a Lambo, buy Bitcoin and be glad you did. Because if you do that, it's going to go up 100 times in the next in the next 20, 30 years because the currency is going to crash and $100 trillion worth of assets are going to go into Bitcoin. Bitcoin is going to eat the gold market. That's something else that Michael Saylor said yesterday. I completely agree with him. It is going to completely and totally eat the gold market because Bitcoin is a much better asset than gold ever was and ever has been. It was good enough before Bitcoin came around, but it cannot hold at all to Bitcoin. Bitcoin is going to be worth probably $100 trillion at $2022 in the next 50 years. And I do think that the entire cryptocurrency market is going to be worth a quarter of a trillion, a quarter of a quadrillion dollars and make up probably about 10% of humanity's entire net worth before the century is over. That's at least my prediction. But let's go ahead and move on into some super chats and yeah, we, discuss those. We got two of them. The first one from Daniel Warzeka just said, FYI, you nailed the name. So, yeah, uh, I saw that. Good Tim, job. You know. 
Tim's getting better at reading English. Yeah. Uh, Brandon H17 said, did I make a smart play by finally getting out of Robinhood and getting into Coinbase for crypto? I used to hold yeah. ETH in Robinhood. Smack my head. Yeah, I mean, so, here, so, so here's the thing. I think Robinhood has a very important role to play in crypto. And that important role to play is, well, there's two parts of it. Number one, evangelization. Number two, teaching you what not to do. <laughs> I don't want to knock too much on Robinhood. I've never actually used it. But they finally added custody about six months ago, which if they had done that earlier, they probably would have been ahead of the eight ball. I was looking at something earlier. Robinhood has lost... I don't know if I'll be able to find it quickly here, but I want to say Robinhood has lost like 80% of its value in the last six, uh, the last six seven months. Coinbase has lost quite a bit of its value. A lot of the stocks. I was looking at Sam Bankman Free. That's what it was. He was talking about why he didn't want to take uh, FTX public. He was looking at those companies. Anyway, beside the point, the point is. Getting out of Robinhood, getting into Coinbase, I think is a fantastic idea. Yes, I think Coinbase is a much better company. It was custom built for cryptocurrency. Robinhood was built for the stock market. Co uh, Coinbase was built with much more powerful tools. It was built user-friendly, but it didn't dumb down the way that you invest. I'm not the biggest fan of Robinhood, personally. Well, can I, can I just add to that? Yeah, please Would do. you know it's even better than Coinbase? Having your crypto yourself. Yeah, well, that's why. Say. That's one of the reasons why these exchanges are down so much. Is looking. Yeah. We talked about on the show. Yeah, sorry, I'm taking a drink. Uh, Look at all the money. It, it seems like every other day there's a new article about more money coming off of exchanges. The the illiquidity pool on Bitcoin right now is I I I don't want to misspeak, but I'm pretty sure it's an all time high. Uh, and and so it's just a, that's another reason why when you zoom out instead of just looking at small charts, when we say things like. We don't think that Bitcoin is going down to 20000 We definitely don't think it's going back down to 10000 One of the reasons why is, as it stands right now, there's probably not enough liquidity left on the pools to do it if people sold. Yeah. So many people are seeing the future and saying, and these are the educated ones, they're saying, listen, I'm going to wait for the rest of the world to catch up. But while I'm doing it, I'm moving my money off of a uh, of exchange and putting in a cold wallet, putting in hard wall hot wallets, getting it away out of their hands. Uh, and, and so now... Now it's about waiting for that to, to continue to play out, to continue to set the market, let the institutions come in safely, and then we'll skyrocket. Yep. Yep, absolutely. But, uh, you know, we're in a transition now. It's Tuesday. It's no, Tuesday. No Kelly. Kelly doesn't get, get to compete this week. I forgot oh. to text him and get his prediction, but it is time. Tuesday. It is time for Bitcoin predictions. Mine is locked in. Smaze is locked in. Jeb, we're going to wait on yours. So you're going you're gonna, to – and feel free to look at the chart if you want to look at the chart real quick. Uh, not that I, – I will say, as much as I love technical analysis, my name is T.A. Tim. This is another hard week to use technical analysis to try to make a prediction. You kind of got to go with your gut. Just so you guys know, if anyone is new here, this is not a financial I'm, I'm gonna uh, go advisement. For this is not even a we're not trading about this. This is a game we play on Fridays to say, hey, what do we think the price of Bitcoin is going to be? And uh, you know, where's the huddle trophy at the moment? It's at my desk. It's at your desk. All right. By the way, just so you guys, this is you, what you're all on camera to hold. Brady Bunch time. Brady Bunch time. I just Woo. wanted to warn you guys before you like picked your nose or something. Okay. <laughs> well, good to know. Thank you, Smay. I appreciate that. I have my prediction. All right. Got it. What you got? You go first. No, no. You you have to go first. You go first. Nope. Mine's locked into the dock. Mine's locked into my brain. Well, that doesn't count. Thirty-seven thousand ninety-one dollars. Say it again. Sorry. Thirty-seven thousand ninety-one dollars. That's where it's going. It's going to be at exactly that price. Thirty-seven. On Friday. Zero ninety-one. Three seven zero ninety-one. You know why I picked that number? Why? Because it's where my mouse landed on the chart. Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a safe prediction. That, that was. I. But I actually do like that prediction. I was yeah. just moving my mouse around. That's where. So you're, you're say down. Yes. I right, Smay, What do you got? But we have two Smay. You go next. This is scary. You go next. I think, again, so when I was looking at the chart, this is what, this, I'm going to tell you guys why I predicted the way I predicted. We have been suppressed more bearish. Had, the bears have been in control here over the last couple of days. Even that little spurt that we had back up to about 42,000, it, it was more based off of a FOMO story than anything. And then the bears almost immediately wiped it right back out. But we're in a season of uncertainty and movement. And, and there's just a part of me that's like, especially with what's going to come up with the Fed, I have this inkling, this feeling that the, the Fed's going to kind of come out a little weak. Uh, I don't think they're – I think they're going to continue to semi-push the can down they the are. road and try to make the excuse that it's they not are. as bad as you want it to believe uh, or people want to believe it is. And I think that potentially it'll uh, – the price has come down and has been suppressed at the support level because of FUD, because of the fear, uncertainty, and doubt of what the Fed will decide. Well, what we know about the Fed, if they've shown us anything, is that they are weenies. Yeah. And they're going to be – they're going to weenie out, and the price is going to rally, I think, 42000 because I think it's time the bulls take a little more control. I don't think we're breaking forty six at this point. I will expect here in the next couple of weeks, if my price does the way I think it will, we're going to hit our head on that flat level resistance and come down again. But I could easily see us going down as well. Well, 
we'll the, see. The, the reason, to, just to weigh in on that really quickly, why they're why I'm almost certain they are going to kick the can down the road, is that when, whenever the government gets itself into a hole and it's running a $4 trillion deficit, as we are right now, or it's running a, a, a stagnating economy with hyperinflation, there's two things they do. Either one, they steal your property to pay for it. That's happened many times. You think that won't happen again? I guarantee you it will. I'm not saying in the United States, but that has happened throughout history. Or number two, they inflate their way out of it. They inflate the currency out of it. That's what we've done for 100 years. That happened during the First World War. That happened during the Second World War. It happened during every revolution that you've ever seen where a country had power over its sovereign currency. They're going to inflate their way out of it. They're going to try and inflate their way out of the inflation problem, and that's why the U.S. dollar is going to lose so much of its value. That's why the U.S. dollar will be worth a tenth of what it is right now in 10 years if we keep it up at this rate. Mm, it's true. So, right. yeah. Yeah, someone put in chat, Winnie Hutt Jr.'s that. Exactly. Just so you guys know, fun fact, uh, when Sman and I work out, if one of us uh, doesn't want to work out, that's all we do is we send each other a GIF of a uh, GIF. Of a what? GIF. A GIF. It's a GIF. Put it's it in not chat. peanut butter. Some people peanut? call it GIF. I've, I've heard it both ways. So I've before I give my oh prediction, my I want to show an update. I, this weekend, if you guys want to know where I was at, I was at my uh, brother's, my brother's uh, wedding. And I looked. I want to show you this picture. Look at this. Look at this picture of me. Hold on. I can't see it. Look at how good I, I I had a great time. It was very great. But anyways, I'd like to give my prediction. All right. You know what I would like to say for my prediction? Why? The Bulls are about to go. The Bulls are about to run. It's going to... What the freak? Be ready. I think we're going to $45,000. And I'll tell you why. Because uh, people are tired of it not being bullish. And the bulls are about to run, baby. They're about to bust out of this pasture, and they're about to make it happen. Uh, so, thank you. Ooh, you're looking fancy in that. I need to show you guys some of my wedding pictures. I look Yes, I would love to see them. Yeah, have, you, have I, haven't I shown you yet? I saw, I've seen some of them. I've seen some of them. I haven't shown you I've seen you some yet. of them. I have yeah. not seen all of them, though. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, uh, let us know in chat, and if you're watching this at a later time, in the comments, what you think Bitcoin will be like at 1025 on Friday. Uh, do you agree with Jeb's bearish prediction of $37,091? Do you agree with Samani that it's going to be bullish, but how bullish is the question? Do we think 42000 which is what I said? Do we think 45000 which is what Samani thinks? Kelly is not participating this week, but he will be back next week to engage yeah. in the competition once again. Let us know what you guys think. That's all we got. Well, I mean, we got to, we still got to read some super well, that's, I mean, we got, that's what we got for the price. Prediction. That's what we got for the price. Prediction. <laughs> so it sounded like you were ending the no, show. No, that definitely sounded like you was about that to end the like show. It sounded like you were ending the it show. It's not like, my hey, that's show to my end job. at this point. That was that's By the way, job. Tim, 88% of people polled in the Crypto Jeb community say it's GIF. Okay, I didn't say Wait it was a second. spelled J-I-F, but G's in the English language, which is one of the most confusing G languages in the world. G GIF. Okay, but... G GIF. Okay, let me ask you something. GIF. Add a T to it. What, is it. what does it sound like? Gift. Thank you, Smith. Gift. That's a really good that point. Is not, that That's is a great not, point. I've never thought about that. That is not a point at all. The <laughs> English language. I have heard people say GIF, which could still be spelled G-I-F. Okay, you, hold on, hold on. Do you, know what, do you know what the acronym stands for? The first letter. Graphic. The, the first sentence is graphic. Which so is a G. G. Not a J. It's a it's G. It's GIF. My gosh. Didn't invite your friends to your wedding. I invited everybody to my wedding. Yes, I did. We just had we had things to. We, there was things we, going yeah. on. There was things going on. But I, you know, I was there in spirit. You are there in spirit, May. I was glad that you were there in spirit. Manny was there. Shout out to Manny. Uh, yeah, but um, cool beans. Let's see. It's still eighty-two percent gift. Well, let's go ahead and read some super chats, and then we'll wrap it out. Yeah. Vinny Fry said, "How do you feel about the Bitcoin credit card that gives you Bitcoin back?" Worth it. I'm not sure which one you're talking about. You might be talking about Crypto.com. I think Crypto.com's got some great platforms, uh, great projects, but I'm not quite sure which one you're talking about. Yeah, I don't really know either. Yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. It's I think that's what we saw. Um, I'm trying to, another one. trying to look to see if there's anything else. Yeah, so someone put like the name Jillian. It's not Gillian. That's a G that's pronounced J. Okay, but names aren't a good determining factor because people can spell names however the heck they want. Have you ever seen that one where the girl's name is she Erica and it was it. A I R W R E C K A? Erica. Erica. Yeah. See, people spell their names however they want. And then they just tell you that's how it's said. I don't know. They don't They don't have to conform. Somebody said giraffics. Yeah, it's a giraffics. It's a giraffics card. It's a card that's got a long neck. That's what it is, according to Giraffics Trump. card. It's a giraffics card. Giraffic park. <laughs> well, I'm that's seeing so cool. people in chat. 
say that they agree with me. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, you decide what you want to hey, decide. Hey, you know, Tim, there are flat earthers that agree with flat earthers. That doesn't mean they're right. They're, <laughs> listen, I think that's extremely insulting to, to compare those two <laughs> thoughts. Uh, one of them is actually crazy, and the other you one... You know, the sad, there, there's probably one person in chat that's super offended by me saying that, and then the other 1,367 Listen, think it's funny. Travis Robertson, he's... He, I, I'm pretty Sorry, sure Tim he's is not the wrong authority on, this one. on the fact. Sorry, Travis, you and Tim both are wrong that's on this That's not true, one. Travis. Hold tight, Travis. Hold tight! <laughs> don't hold tight. He's wrong. There's no J that in... That got really intense Hold tight. Second. Hold tight. No, don't. Okay, also, let's go ahead and do We're it. We're Americans. Couple. We don't back down ever. Hey, settle down or I'm going to mute you. My gosh. Ooh, there you go. Bringing that out. Guys, that's all we got for you today. If you enjoyed today's stream, smash the daylights out of that like button. We can get to 750 likes before we wrap it out. I know we got enough people here. Make sure to go ahead and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And look out for that Michael Saylor interview. I have a feeling you're going to really, really enjoy that. Dude's a freaking genius, and I'm really looking forward to talking to him and uh, you know, learning more about why he and his company got into Bitcoin. The dude has been called the patron saint of Bitcoin. And to be honest with you, I don't think Bitcoin has a patron saint, but he might be kind of close. He's doing a pretty good job of helping to evangelize it to the institutional community which is going to be getting into Bitcoin big time over the next years. And he's one of the first ones that is pushing that community in that direction. Wait. Make sure to look out for that. Wait! Okay, well, I mean, yeah, the source is bad. I will admit <laughs> the source is bad. But the creator of GIF says, go to my screen. No, I'm not going to go to your screen. It is pronounced aware. GIF. I am aware. J-I-F, not GIF. I am aware. Hold on. Did I'm you, right. Wait a minute. That Did you see Tyler Durden? The creator. That Tyler, hold anything. on. Tyler Durden said, GIF is selected as the Oxford Dictionary's USA Word of the Year 2012. The dictionary wrote that GIF may be pronounced with either a soft G as in giant or a hard G as in graphic. Yes, it can be either. But well, that didn't Tim's help. Wrong. That didn't help at all, actually. Tim is wrong. That's Tim all right. I know. But guys, we're running out of time, so we're gonna go ahead and wrap it out. Like I said, if you enjoyed today's show, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Follow us on all of our social media platforms at CryptoJeb over on Instagram and Twitter at CryptoJeb Official over on TikTok. We're daily posting to all of those. If you want to stay up to date on the latest in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency price, those are your outlets that you are going to want to look for. Before I go, though, guys, I do just first want to thank each and every single last one of you for watching, as always, and I will see you guys in the next video. Peace. Oh, I got a real good feeling. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Coffee and Crypto Podcast. Tune in every day at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to watch live on YouTube. Follow us on our social media accounts at CryptoJeb. And lastly, we want to thank you for supporting us here at McAfee Media.